You are listening to Discovery Church Podcast. There are things that are important in life, and then there's things that are not so important. But we live in a culture and a society where we view everything as important. And so if everything's important, then nothing's really important. And so for the next four weeks, I want us to, uh, to identify four uh, goals that every person should have for themselves, uh, your marriage, when you're looking for a relationship, uh, every aspect of your life, four goals. And uh, today we're going to kick off the first one. And I want us to look in Matthew chapter 6, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. If you don't have your Bibles, it'll be on the, the screens right above me. And so this is Jesus. Here's what he says. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink, <laughs> Jesus is so hood. <laughs> He's like, if you got drink, anyways. Um, <laughs> stop it, focus. <laughs> or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing. So Jesus, he, he's establishing this idea for his audience that there are some things in life that supersede uh, physical desires and wants and physical goals. He goes on to say, verse 26, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable uh, to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't worry or make clothing. Verse 29. Yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Final two verses. So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all of your needs, all of your desires, all of your wants. Can I say he knows your goals? This morning I want to talk to you from this subject, Christ-centered, Christ-centered. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for this opportunity that we have had already in just worshiping you. God, right now, we just want to acknowledge your presence here this morning. I pray that you would help us to engage with you, to engage with your word. Jesus, you said that the word, the seed, is only as good as the harvest, or is only as good as our heart. And so, God, it could be the most amazing word in the world, but if our heart is not right, it will produce nothing. And so, God, we want our hearts to be right this morning. We want to leave here changed, not for our own benefit, but so that we can change the world around us. And, God, I also want to say that uh, the streets of heaven are paved with gold. And so uh, they're not paved with arrowheads or, you know, anything else, God. And so I believe that you are rooting for the Niners and Guys, let's focus. And so we thank you, God, for that. We pray that you will intercede on their behalf. And we love you for that. 
Come on, and all Niners fans in the sound of my voice say, amen. Amen. I had to. I had to. Some of y'all are like, man, I'm not coming back. He just prayed for football. Get over it. It's okay. You'll live, okay? Some of you guys' prayers are even crazier than that, so just chill. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So, uh, not really, yeah. Uh, so, do you remember the first time that... Uh, that you fell for someone, whether that's your first boyfriend or your first girlfriend. I was thinking about this uh, the other day. I was thinking about how uh, when I started dating um, my wife, who, who's now my wife, Vanessa, how uh, when I was dating her, I, I remember just being so, uh, I just worshiped her, right? Like, and I think about my parents. I think about how awkward it was for my parents to be, like, driving us in the back seat, right? And, like, you know, we're, like, whatever, right? Like, just hugging or holding hands or whatever. And, and like, how awkward it is for the parent up front. But, like, you don't think about that as, as a kid. But now I have kids, so I'm, I'm thinking about how uh, that predicament in which uh, I forgot my, my mother-in-law is actually in the front row right here. So... <laughs> We're going to clean up these notes. Uh, so so I, I, remember just, I remember just being like very, uh, like I just worshiped the ground that she walked on, okay? But almost in, to, to a place where it was like unhealthy, where it was like borderline weird and creepy, okay? Like I remember this one time. So uh, my wife and I, we dated for four years uh, before, we, uh, before we got married. Three and a half of those years, uh, I lived in Dallas while she lived here in Sonoma County. And so I remember when they dropped, my parents and Vanessa, they dropped me off to college. We drove to Dallas, Texas, and we were staying at this resort. And um, we were outside in, in the, Texas, the Texas heat playing volleyball, barefoot, uh, barefoot playing volleyball. And all of a sudden, I asked my wife if I can tell the story, so. She said yes. So, so all of a sudden, like, we're playing volleyball, and then all of a sudden, she, like, screams. She's like, ah! And she falls to the ground. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. What happened? Like, she is, like, bawling, ladies and gentlemen. She is, like, freaking out. She is, like, drama, okay? Like, uh, like my kids are like her. And so she, she, she like, she's, she's on the ground. She's screaming. And like we all, my whole family, like we run to her, okay? And we're like, I'm like, I'm like, baby cakes, what happened? It's <laughs> uh, sick, <laughs> baby cakes. I'm like, uh, I'm like, what happened? She's like, I stepped on a bee and it stung me and I can't walk, okay? And in this moment, I'm like, yo, I'm here. <laughs> I can be your hero, babe. And I swooped her up, right? Like, no joke. I remember it. Like, this place, I'm, I'm holding her. I look like, uh, I look like Kevin Costner holding Whit Whitney Houston. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like, in my head, I'm like, oh, this is amazing. And so, I'm like, I'm carrying her to my parents, to the bench. And I, and I sat her down gently. And I remember just, like, my parents, like, She stepped on a bee, John. <laughs> like, stop being creepy, right? Like, like you, just, you just worship someone. Like, 
And, and so um, fast forward, I remember late night phone calls with her on the phone. You guys remember talking on the phone with someone that you worship? And you're like, babe, like I, we've been talking for 10 hours. I gotta be school, at school in 20 minutes. We should probably go to sleep. And you guys remember this. You hang up first. <laughs> no, you hang up, silly. See, we, didn't, we, we weren't dating with FaceTime like that. Y'all, that's a whole nother story. And so I'm like, no, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. Okay, we'll hang up on the count of three, okay? Right? One, two, three. I can hear you. Right? Like, I worshiped her so much. It was weird. It was weird. And so I'm, I'm telling just to be silly and to let you in on, on how my wife is. But also, like, I'm, I just want to establish this idea that uh, sometimes, if we're not careful, we can begin to worship things that were never created to, worship, to be worshiped. But here's the thing, here's the thing. If you are in here and you've ever had this desire to worship, and now I'm not talking about like singing worship, but like really this idea of worship is, is expressing adoration towards someone or something, okay? So if you're here and if you've ever expressed weird adoration and worship to, to someone, here's great news, okay? This is great news. This, Lisa was great news for me. It's normal. In fact, it's so normal because when God created you and me, he actually designed our hearts to want to worship something. In fact, we read in Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 21, this is God speaking, and this is what he says. He said, I made them, so Israel, his people, I made them my own nation, watch this, so that they would praise me. So the very heart of God creating people is so that they can worship him. You're, the very reason why he designed our hearts to worship is so that we can express adoration to him. But herein lies the problem. We live in a time and in a culture and a society where there's so many things vying for our worship. There's so many things that, that are longing for our attention. There's so many things that like we hold to such a high standard and so important that we easily begin to worship. For instance, maybe, maybe for you it, it's a relationship like you, and like we're just worshiping this person. Like this ad, like we just, we, oh man, he's so amazing, she's so amazing. Maybe for you it's, it's pursuing wealth. Like, that, like you're just, like that is so important to you. Maybe for you it's a job or whatever it is. And, and, and for, for you, here's what I do want to say is that these things in themselves, so pursuing career, pursuing uh, uh, wealth, pursuing a relationship, those things are not bad in, it, in, in them in itself. Right, like those things are amazing. But when it gets dangerous, when it gets kind of, ah, is when we begin to place those things at the highest level 
of our priority and our importance because then all of a sudden we begin to worship those very things. And when we begin to worship those very things, it begins to dictate and determine what we do and what we say and how we act. So when I worship relationships, like every, everything that I do, every decision I make is filtered through how a relationship can work for me. When I worship uh, wealth, then everything, every decision that I do, every decision that I make, it's through the lens of pursuing this. And so worship dictates what we reach for because worship identifies what we hold as worthy. And so we have to get to this place where we can understand I can love it, just not over the top, Love it by worshiping it. And this is really, uh, Jesus, he, he says this in Matthew chapter 6 and verse, I believe, 12, 21. Jesus, Jesus said this. He said, wherever your treasure is, there your desire of your heart will also be. That was a tongue twister. Whenever, wherever your treasure is, there the desire of your heart will also be. So Jesus is establishing this idea. That what you worship, what you value, becomes the center of who you are. And so now all of a sudden when I begin to worship, when, when what I treasure is something outside of God, and when I desire to worship something outside of God, what I'm doing is I'm anchoring myself to something that was never designed to support the weight of what I go through. I'll say that again. When I decide to place my worship into something else, whether that's career, financial status, relationships, whatever that is in your, in your context, when I decide to, put, to place, uh, when, when that's the most valuable thing in my life, Per Jesus, he said that when I do that, where my treasure is, there's my center. There's where I am. But not everything was meant to sustain the weight and the pressure of being the centerpiece, the supporting piece in my life. That's why people who are filthy rich are still searching for something more. That's why people that have reached the pinnacle of success in their careers are still empty. That's why people who shack up with every person that they want to, they still feel lonely. Why? Because those things were never meant to support the center of who they are. And why is that? We circle it back around. Because at the very beginning, when God created humans, when he created you, when he created me, he designed us to worship him who can support the weight of any and everything that you and I go through. And so this is the heart of what Jesus is talking about in the text that we read at the very beginning in Matthew chapter 6. Uh, Jesus, he's, he's preaching. This is what is known as a, a sermon on the mount, okay? And uh, 
Jesus, he actually, he tried to just get away from the crowds, but Jesus is so infectious, uh, maybe that was the wrong word, uh, so magnetic, <laughs> he, he, yeah, he's so magnetic that, that, that he draws people to him. And so, and so he, he, he's, he's trying to get away with, with his disciples, but, but then all of a sudden, uh, the crowds just follow him. And so what Jesus does, he goes up into the mountaintop, and he begins to, uh, he, he begins to, to preach, which, which, they, what, which is what called, what's blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Let's just embrace that stutter right there. So which is called the Sermon on the Mount, okay? And so uh, Jesus, he's preaching about everything. And then, and then he gets to, to chapter 6 in, in verse 25 of, of what we read at the very beginning. And on the surface, it looks like he's talking about worry, right? Like what we just read at the very beginning, it looks like the whole point of what Jesus was talking about was like, don't be anxious, don't worry, be happy. But can I propose to you this morning that Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 33, has less to do with uh, has less to do with anxiousness and worrying, but has more to do with learning to put Jesus in the center. Okay, well, I'll show you. So Jesus, he, he's talking, he's like, I know some of you, you worry about this, you worry about that. Okay, this is Jesus. He, he's, he's on the mountaintop. He's preaching to this crowd. Like, I know you worry. You, you worry about this, you worry about it. He's like, why are you worrying? Don't worry. Kuda Matata, right? Like, picture Pride Rock and Rafiki. Kuda Matata. Um, focus, John. And, and so, so, so don't worry about, and then, and then he talks about flowers, right? He's like, the flowers don't worry about how they look. The flowers don't worry about what they're, how they look and what they're pursuing and what their goals are. It's not, they, they, they're, they're beautiful already, and God already took care of him. Right? Then, he, then he goes, he, he brings up birds. He's like, the birds, okay, they don't worry about what they're going to eat. And then he says something controversial, probably especially in Sonoma County. He's like, even you, aren't you greater than the birds, right? And like all the bird activists are like, no, <laughs> we're equal, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so, oh man, what was I saying? <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. So, so, so Jesus, he's like, even the birds, they have their own food. They can eat whatever they want. He says, don't worry. And then he's done. Or at least, at least it seems like he's done, right? Because it, it's as if like the crowd is like waiting. They're leaning in. They're on the edge of their chair. What is he going to say next? He's, he's going to tell us how to not worry. Now, I know, Jesus, come on, get to that point where you're like, uh, that we, we can have everything that we want, all our goals. Watch what he's about to say. They're expecting him to say something. They're expecting him to address this idea that you don't have to worry. And here's why you don't have to worry. Because because you serve the God on a thousand, with cattle on a thousand hill, <laughs> right? You don't have to worry because you have everything you need. Like, that's what they're waiting for. But here's what he says in verse 33. But seek first 
his kingdom and his righteousness. Man, that's a little bizarre. Like, Jesus, you're talking about telling me not to worry about what I'm trying to pursue or what I want. And, and you're trying to tell me this. And then you tell me, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. As I said earlier, I believe this passage has less to do with worry and anxiousness and has more to do with learning how to center our lives around Christ. And so here's how we do it according to verse 33. For those of you that are filling in the blank and can see in the dark, here we go. <laughs> I'm just kidding, production team. We love you. So here it is, the first one. Kingdom-minded. Kingdom-minded. Jesus says, seek first his kingdom. Now, this idea of his kingdom, like we see it all throughout Scripture, Old, New Testament, his kingdom, uh, kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. This idea of, of, of the kingdom of God is acknowledging, watch this, the kingdom of God is acknowledging God's reign of heaven, hell, and everything in between. So God's kingdom reigns everything, okay? And so seeking his kingdom is learning to place myself under his rule and his reign, okay? I'm, I'm getting somewhere, I promise. So Jesus said, to seek first his kingdom. And so when I seek first his kingdom, my thoughts, my actions, my words are filtered through this place where I have, I have positioned myself under the authority of who God is. And so when I seek God first, when I seek his kingdom first, I have given up my right to be a jerk to the person in front of me. When I seek God first, I have given, I've given up my right to be greedy. When I seek his kingdom first, I have given up my right to have hate in my heart. I have given up my right to hold uh, unforgiveness in my heart. See, because when I seek him first, I am positioning myself under his reign and under his authority. And so as long as I'm under his reign and under his authority, I can realize and recognize what I'm saying, what I'm doing, and how I filter it because I'm seeking first his kingdom. Okay, so how do we, how do we live Christ-centered lives? The first one is this, we become kingdom-minded. The second one is this. We become righteousness seekers. We become righteousness seekers. So Jesus said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And his righteousness. Now righteousness, if I, if I was able to define that, and we can have the band come up, I'm about to close. If, if I can define righteousness of God, it's this, the perfection of God. And so I am made righteous 
not because of what I can do or what I've done, but because of the righteousness of God and what he has done for me. And so when I'm a righteousness seeker, I begin to pursue the righteousness of God. Let me put it this way. God's righteousness and his perfection is not something that should push me away from him. Like the fact that I have access to a God that is perfect should not freak me out to keep me away from him. His perfection is not to push me away. His perfection is to draw me closer. And as I, come, as I become closer to God, his righteousness begins to reign in my life. And so all the imperfections that I have in my life begin to, to pop up to the surface. And, 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 and his righteousness begins to identify the things in my life that I need to change. The hatred, the perversion, the, 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 the anger, whatever it is. Like the closer I get to God is the closer he begins to draw things out of my life that were never intended to be there. And so how do I become Christ-centered? I become kingdom-minded. So I understand that, that I am under the reign, the lordship, the bossship of Jesus Christ. But I also become a righteous seeker because if you've been doing this Christian thing long enough, you know that you are not perfect and I am not perfect. And if I was to be transparent, I mess up every single day. Come on, pastor, you're not supposed to say that. Surprise. And, and, and so, so every day, I need to draw myself closer to where God is, to who God is, so that his righteousness, his perfection can realign me again to him becoming the center of my life, the center of who I am. Because what I worship determines what I reach for. Because what I worship identifies what I think is worth it. And so watch this. Like, okay, so, so imagine you're the crowd, right? You're listening to Jesus. Jesus is like, don't worry, don't worry. Seek first the kingdom. Seek his righteousness. You're sitting there, you're like, okay, maybe he just had a bad transition time. Okay, like, you know, speakers have that sometimes, right? Like, Jesus, work on your transitions. But he didn't forget. He says this. He says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then watch this, the continuation of verse 33. And all these things will be given to you as well. What is he talking about all these things? See, Jesus didn't forget about their worries. He said, don't worry about the worries first. Worry about putting me first. And then when you learn to align yourself with me, and when you put me first, then all these things, these things that you are worried about, then it comes into line. But you don't have to focus and worry on those things, on your goals, of what you're trying to pursue. Listen, our job, our number one job, and I'm done, and then we can go watch the Niners win. Listen, our, our goal, our number one goal, is to make Jesus the center of our life. To make him center and when I can learn to do that, 
the goals and the dreams that he placed inside of my mind and my heart. Then those things come to pass. I don't pursue my dreams, my dreams pursue me. I don't pursue my goals, my goals pursue me. When I learn to put Christ at the center of my life. And so this morning, our first goal in week one of our series, Hashtag Goals. This week, I challenge you to make yourself Christ-centered to put Jesus at the center of your life by being kingdom-minded and becoming a righteousness seeker. Amen, somebody? Thank you for listening to Discovery Church Podcast. Remember, we will have a new message for you every Monday at 5 p.m. Make sure to like and subscribe and you will be notified when a new episode is ready for listening.